0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Shark's Pond, a South Park podcast. I am your host, Bill, and this week, going to be talking about kind of a weird topic, unless you're a guy, which is crap. No, not the stuff that you hate, but crap, crap. Because the episode that'll be talked about this week is. More crap. Um, this is the second episode of the second half of season eleven. So you know, right after we talked about Tourette's syndrome, we literally go into crap. Um, kind of a kind of a weird thing to discuss, but it is what it is. So, um, with that said. Let's not waste any time, let's get into this week's episode, More Crap. The episode was written and directed by Trey Parker and originally aired on October 10th, 2007. We begin at the doctor's office, because, you know, we've never really had a beginning of South Park At a doctor's office. Well, anyway, Randy is there, and he feels, well, kind of ill, because, well, he hasn't taken a crap in three weeks. So the doctor says that he's constipated, and what has he been eating? Well, it's been P.F. Chang, basically. So the doctor decides to give uh, Randy a laxative, and, you know... It'll make him go, but it will, it'll, it'll hurt when he goes to use the bathroom. So that night, Randy is on the toilet going to the bathroom, and he finally lets it go. And as he's about to flush it, he sees what he crapped out. And during this, and I and I do want to mention, I want to backtrack just a little bit. We get a running gag through the entire episode where it, you know, it says Emmy Award-winning series, which will come up a few more times in this episode. So Randy calls Sharon over. Sharon sees this and she is disgusted by it. Stan comes over and he's actually kind of impressed. And Wendy is just a pissed off little bitch because she's Wendy. Or not Wendy, Shelley. Oh my God. You know what I'm thinking? I'm thinking of Wendy because I said Stan. That's why. Anyway, so Sharon wants Randy to flush what he dumped. But he has to show somebody else. Because if he tells the guys and they don't see it, they're never going to believe it. So he, uh, Randy has Stan call Uncle Jimbo. And the next night, they go to the bar. Or, uh, Randy goes to the bar and they talk about the crap that Randy took. And Gerald is like, okay, whatever. My brother's is a bigger crap than yours. And Randy's like, now, mine is like the size of a football. So, they go to Randy's house. And he actually shows them the crab. I don't know how he took it out of the toilet. But he they did. they He managed to do it. I don't know how. But he, he managed to do it. So, Sharon is upset that He kept the crap, and I don't blame her, you know, it's crap. By the way, I think I'm going to be saying crap a lot in this episode. And now the guys are starting to think, well, maybe this is a world record. So, the next day, they call Guinness. So, let's briefly talk about uh, Guinness and Guinness World Records. Guinness World's Record... Uh, began on November 10th, 1951, when Sir Hugh Beaver, that is his real name, this is not a made-up name, Hugh Beaver, who was at the time the managing director of Guinness Breweries, went on a shooting party in the North Slob by the River Slaney in County Wexford, Ireland. After missing a shot at a golden plover, he became, or yeah, he became involved in an argument over which was the fastest game bird in Europe, the golden plover or the red grouse. It is the plover. That evening at Castlebridge House, he realized that it was impossible to confirm in reference books whether or not the golden plover was Europe's fastest game bird. Beaver knew that there must have been numerous other questions debated nightly in pubs throughout Ireland and abroad, but there was no book in the world which, with which to settle arguments about records. He realized then that a book supplying the answers to this sort of question must prove successful. So Beaver's idea became reality when a Guinness employee named Christopher Chataway recommended university friends Norris and Ross McWhirter, who had been running a fact-finding agency in London. The twin brothers were commissioned to compile what became the Guinness Book of Records in August 1954. A thousand copies were printed and given away. After the founding of the Guinness Book of World Records at 107 Fleet Street, London, The first 198 page edition was bound on August 27, 1955 and went to the top of the British bestsellers list, That Christmas. The following year, it launched in the United States and sold 70,000 copies. Since then, Guinness World Records has gone on to become a record breaker in its own right. With sales of more than 100 million copies in 100 countries and 37 languages, Guinness World Records is the world's best-selling copyrighted book. Because the book became a surprise hit, many further editions were printed, eventually settling into a pattern of one revision a year, published in September or October in time for Christmas. The McWorders continued to compile it for many years, Both brothers had an encyclopedic memory on the TV series Record Breakers based upon the book. They would take questions posed by children in the audience on various world records and were able to give the correct answer. Ross McWhirter was assassinated by the Provisional Irish Republican Army in 1975. Following his assassination, the feature in the show where questions about records posed by children were answered by, or were answered, was called Norris on the Spot. Guinness Superlatives, later Guinness World Records Limited, was formed in 1954 to publish the first book. Sterling Publishing owned the rights to the Guinness Book in the U.S. for decades. The group was owned by Guinness PLC and subsequently Diageo until 2001 when it was purchased by Gulen Entertainment for $65 million. Gulen was itself purchased by Hit Entertainment in 2002. In 2006, Apex partners purchased Hit and subsequently sold Guinness World Records in early 2008 to the Jim Pattison Group, the parent company of Ripley Entertainment, which is licensed to operate Guinness World Records attractions. With offices in New York City and Tokyo, Guinness World Records' global headquarters remain in London, while its museum attractions are based at Ripley headquarters in Orlando, Florida. Now, one thing I do remember about Guinness is that they had a TV show and it aired on Fox about the end of the 90s into early 2000s. And it was originally hosted by former football player Chris Collinsworth and then eventually took over by Mark Thompson. Uh, They only did 53 episodes. I thought they had done a lot more to be honest. Uh, New record attempts happened on this show with many unusual or bizarre categories such as a 300-pound tumor, squirting milk from one's eye, covering oneself with bees, sitting in a tub of snakes, regurgitating, burping, setting oneself on fire, eating metal, worms, and ketchup, kissing cobras, acting as a human speed bump, and entering a coffin full of cockroaches. Most of these attempts never found their way into the book. Thank goodness for that. Okay, so a representative of Guinness calls, and you'd think at first she's talking to Randy because she's like, "Okay, so you're taking. You said you're take. You took the biggest crap in the world. Well, Guinness does not." keep track of that, but I could send you to someone in Zurich. So then she gets another call, and it's Randy who makes the call, which is actually kind of funny, because that that was a good joke. I, I really liked that joke. So she gives them the number of the European Fecal Standards and Measurements Office, which is in Zurich, Switzerland. So they get a call, or they get a, a, a letter with a picture of Randy with the crap. So three members of the organization go to the house and they go, they see it, they measure it, and they say that it weighs 8.6 Keurigs, which is approximately 2.5 pounds, or for our European listeners who use the metric system, 1.1 kilogram. And this is named after uh, journalist Katie Couric, who... I believe at this point in time is on CBS. I want to say she's on CBS. Yeah, she is. Cause she is doing the CBS nightly or evening news. And she's there for a few years and then leaves in 2011. Uh, what she's up to today. Uh, honestly, I don't really know. Um, so, so, anyway, because it weighs 8.6 Keurigs, it breaks the old record of 7.5 Keurigs. So, Randy has a world record. And now, the, uh, the officials from the EFSM have to call the previous record holder. Well, we go to an award ceremony where Bono of YouTube... Almost said YouTube, but YouTube uh, is accepting another award when he finds out that his record has been broken. So, now we go to Washington, D.C. There's a stage set up at the Capitol where Randy is going to be presented a special award because he is the first American to ever receive this award for having the biggest crap ever. But just before they hand out this award to Randy, they get a video. And it's from Bono. Hello! Hello! Yeah, that song was still around at the time. So Bono, at first, on the video, congratulates Randy for setting the record. But then, in the video, tells everyone that he has set a new world record with a crap ring weighing 9.5 Keurigs. So because of this, Bono is now the new record holder. And the fans cheer. Uh, Let's talk about Bono real quick. Because... Uh... How old he is is mentioned in the or when he was born is mentioned. So, Bono, real name Paul David Hewson, was born on May 10th, 1960. Uh, he has been married only one time to Allie Stewart, and they have stayed married since 1982 and have four kids together. The band U2 began on or came together on September 25th, 1976, when Bono, along with David Evans, also known as The Edge, his brother Dick and Adam Clayton, responded to an advertisement on a bulletin board at Mount Temple posted by fellow student Larry Mullen Jr. to form a rock band. The band had occasional jam sessions in which they did covers of other bands. Tired of long guitar solos and hard rock, Bono wanted to play the Rolling Stones and Beach Boys song songs. The band could not play covers very well, so they started writing their own songs. During the band's long run, which is 40 years, U2 and Bono, well, Bono in particular, has collaborated to do different songs with, and this is a long list, folks. So get ready. Frank Sinatra, Johnny Cash, Willie Nelson, Luciano Pavarotti, Sinead O'Connor, Green Day, Tom Petty, Roy, or- Roy Orbison, Bob Dylan, Patti Smith, Tina Turner, B.B. King, and Zucchero. He has recorded with Ray Charles, Quincy Jones, Kirk Franklin, Bruce Springsteen, Tony Bennett, Clanad, The Coors, Wyclef Jean, Kylie Minogue, Carl Perkins, and Herbert Gronemeyer as well as reportedly completing an unreleased duet with Jennifer Lopez. On Robbie Robertson's 1987 eponymous album, he played bass guitar and vocals. On Michael Hutchinson's 1999 posthumous eponymous album, Bono completed a recording of Slide Away as a duet with him. Bono collaborated with African Stars <coughs> Excuse me. Di Bunch, Waj and Omotola, Jalade Ekende for a women's empowerment song entitled Strong Girl. Bono and The Edge have written and recorded several songs together outside of YouTube. They wrote the musical score for the Royal Shakespeare Company's London stage adaptation of A Clockwork Orange, which opened in 1990. The duo also wrote the eponymous theme song of the 1995 James Bond film *GoldenEye*, which was performed by Tina Turner. Bono and The Edge ventured into theater again when they composed the music and lyrics for the Broadway musical Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark, which I know we will get to at some point. They were featured on the soundtrack's single Rise Above One with Reeve Carney in 2011. The duo collaborated with Jay-Z and Rihanna for the 2010 song Stranded, Haiti, Mon Amour, which benefited the Hope for Haiti now telethon for relief for the 2010 Haiti earthquake, on March 17, 2020, Bono performed a new song "Let Your Love Be Known" via live stream to fans during COVID-19 pandemic. On March 24th, the song was released on YouTube, retitled #SingForLife as a collaboration with Will I Am, Jennifer Hudson, and Yoshiki. Okay, so I'm gonna get this out of the way now before. I completely forget. There are parts of U2 that I do like. 80s U2 is actually pretty awesome. They're really good. I mean, I, I think if there's a time frame that I prefer U2, it's 80s U2. Uh, you have New Year's Day, Sunday Bloody Sunday, the streets have no name, and... Um, Still haven't found what I'm looking for. Pride in the Name of Love. Just to name a few of the songs that they did in the 80s that I really, really like. 90s, they have a couple of good songs. I think my favorite 90s song is The Sweetest Thing, which is actually kind of a cute little song. I'm surprised it hasn't been played at many weddings, to be honest. Um, Then they did... Then, you know, they they went into the 2000s. I think my favorite 2000s... Um, oh, God. I think it, It's Probably a Beautiful Day would be my favorite one. And then after that, they kind of just took a nosedive, I feel. I mean, I don't have any of their albums. I have songs on my iTunes and iPod. Yes, I do have an iPod, folks. But I just feel that, you know, after... O one, O two, maybe 03, Their work has really not gotten that good. Plus, the whole like thing when they, when I, when Apple put up like that one album on everybody's iTunes for free, and it's like, I didn't want this. Are you kidding me? Come on. So anyway, that's my YouTube thought of ever. Okay, so back to Randy. He's sitting outside. He's crying because, well, he's lost the record. And Stan comes out trying to, you know, tell him the dinner's ready. And Randy's like, you know, I've worked so hard in my life to have something, you know, that I accomplish. And this is something that I made and I feel proud of and it means something to me. And Stan's like, oh, well, thanks, Dad. So... Dinner is ready. It's lasagna, by the way. And Randy is just so upset about this. And I love Sharon. She's like, what is everyone's obsession with crap? And Stan is like, you just don't understand, Mom. You just don't understand. Which is true. He's got a good point. So Randy's at the bar with the guys. And they're down because, well, YouTube's Bono has the record again. But, one of them points out, and I did have this thought while watching the episode, Bono never had to prove to the 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 EFSM that he took this crap. Which is true, because Randy took the picture, then had to prove it. Bono is just, here's my crap. There it is. I did it. So, then the guys kind of get Randy riled up because, you know what? You had the record, and you didn't mean to do it. Why not go for it again and actually do it? Let's go for this record. So, now uh, we see that CNN is covering this story of... or Randy trying to get the record back and the lady reporter on CNN is like really I gotta go through this and the guy's like you just don't understand you don't understand alright well let's briefly talk about P.F. Chang's P.F. Chang is a casual dining restaurant it was founded in 1993 in Scottsdale Arizona and as of this recording, there are over 300 PF Chang's worldwide. The chain was found by Paul Fleming and Philip Chiang, son of Cecily or Cecilia Chiang. The first restaurant was opened at the Scottsdale Fashion Square in Scottsdale, Arizona. In 1993, PF Chang's China Bistro Inc was formed from the acquisition of the original four bistro restaurants. In 2010, P.F. Chang's China Bistro Home Menu was introduced. The brand represents a group of frozen appetizers and meals that were sold under license by Unilever. In 2012, Chang's accepted an offer from Centerbridge Partners in a deal valued at $1.1 billion. ConAgra Foods, Inc. acquired the P.F. Chang's China Bistro Home Menu license from Unilever in August of 2012. In December 2017, Chang's announced that they would open a location in Shanghai during the first part of 2018. Chang's first location in China. In 2019, Chang's announced it is in talks to be sold to Tri Artisan Capital Partners and Paulson and Company. Excuse me, for approximately 700 million dollars from its previous owner. In 2020. Chang's announced their first takeout only location would be in Chicago, Illinois. Chang's obtained more than $5 million in small business loans as part of the Paycheck Protection Program during the coronavirus relief. The chain specializes in American Chinese cuisine. Wine, specialty drinks, Asian beers, sake, cappuccino, and espresso are available outside standard beverage offerings. Um. I actually have eaten at a P.F. Chang's. I want to say once or twice. It's not that many times, I will tell you that. Um, you know what? It's okay. I I think I would stick with, you know, like, ordering out Chinese food from from some small place. But, I mean, P.F. Chang's isn't that bad. Okay, so now we have going back to Zurich at the EFSM and they learn that Randy is trying to break the record that Bono set so they call Bono Hello! Hello! And Bono who is in Africa tells them that if he's going to break it he's got to do it in Zurich in front of everyone him and the officials So now we go to Randy, who's at a doctor's office again. And he's going to get an ultrasound of his crap. So they take a look, and it weighs 14 Keurigs, which would break the world record. And again, this is where we get the Emmy Award-winning series bid. This is the second time. Gerald tells the doctor, Randy, and everyone that Bono has requested... That he take the dump, he take the crap in Zurich. Otherwise, it will not count. And the doctor's like, I cannot let you do this under any circumstance. So, Stan goes to Bono's mansion. Hello, hello. And Stan tries to explain to Bono that this record means a lot to his dad. And that maybe Bono should just let this one go. Maybe instead of being number one, Bono should be number two. Which really pisses off Bono. And he's like, you take that back! I'm not number two! I'm not number two! So <laughs> Stan scared half to death. Um, and, it, and it's kind of funny because in that in that part... If you watch real closely, there's an MTV Music Award in the background. And it says VH2, which is kind of funny because Bono doesn't want to be called number two. So after Bono leaves, the butler gets to, or tells Stan to follow him. So now everyone is in Zurich. And Randy's there, he's sitting on the john, trying to take a crap. And he's really trying, but it's not going anywhere. Sharon is just sitting there in disgust. I I, kind of feel for the woman. I really do. So the butler explains to Randy that what Bono did was a lie because he did not take a dump of 9.5 Keurigs. And then the butler tells Stan that he has a trophy. Bono has a trophy for having the biggest crap from 1960. Which means Bono isn't the record holder. He's the record. So now, you know, basically the doctors and the officials are at the point of like, I don't think this is going to go. I. I'm sorry, you cannot do this. So, Randy starts to cry, and Stan bursts right in, and he tells his dad, you don't have to do this. Your record stands, because Bono isn't the record holder, he is the record. And then, one of the officials explains that, yes, this is the record. Because he took a crap in 1960 and he had this crap and he was so proud of it that he raised it as a child. And while he's explaining this, Bono is sucking on this guy's nipple and it is so weird. It's so bizarre. So Bono has raised himself into an over 80 Keurigs in weight. So, Bono is the record. So, after finally explaining that Bono really is crap, Randy just twirls around on the toilet as his crap goes up, and they estimate that he, his crap weighs at more than 100 Keurigs, and he is the new record holder, and then one of the officials And again, third time, Emmy-winning award series. Takes the Emmy, shoves it into the crap, and that is the end of more crap. Whew, quite a whirlwind of an episode, to say the least. Uh, Before I get into notes and receptions and that, my overall thoughts on this episode... This is kind of a funny episode, I, I, it, it's, it's aged okay, it's not terrible, it's a good episode, uh, the topic is kind of disgusting, but, you know, how many times do you get to make fun of Bono? Come on, let's be real, how many times do we get to make fun of Bono? I'm gonna give this an 8 out of 10, I think that's the right grade for this, um, Obviously, this is not the last time that South Park will do toilet humor at all. Plus, we haven't really had anything like this in a long time. So, I think an 8 out of 10 works. Okay, so let's get to some notes, and then we'll get to reception. In the emotional elements of of its plot, More Crap is based on the 2007 documentary The King of Kong, A Fistful of Quarters. The documentary follows Steve Webb as he tries to take the world-high score for the arcade game Donkey Kong from reigning champion Billy Mitchell. In the documentary, Webb beats the record but is suspected that his machine may have been tampered with. To prove his gaming skills, Webb... i, I Let me let me double-check to make sure I pronounced that right. Oh, Wibai? Wibai? Okay, it's Wibai. I apologize. Wabai performs the high score live in front of an audience, but then is trumped by a low quarterly VHS tape sent in by Mitchell depicting himself achieving a higher score. Bono's personality in the episode is much like the depiction of Mitchell in the documentary, including how he is allowed to play by different rules than other competitors. Trey Parker and Matt Stone spoke highly of the documentary and called it a really well-done movie. I have that on my DVD queue on Netflix. I will get to that movie someday. South Park has a history of using toilet humor from its earliest days, such as Mr. Hankey. While the series gained reputation for its use of political humor as it progressed, scatological humor still remained to be a staple in its later seasons. More Crap was named as, perhaps, South Park's most poo-centric episode of all time. No argument here. In the episode, women, such as Randy's wife Sharon, are constantly portrayed as not understanding the pride men can feel for the size of their feces. There's also something that men also pride on the size of, but I think you guys know what it is. This has been viewed as a conscious sign of the creator's awareness that such toilet humor is more appealing to men. This female-male divide in the appreciation of toilet humor was further satirized in the 13th season episode, Eat, Pray, Queef. Randy's love for his growing excrement is portrayed at one point in an analogy of a mother's love for her unborn child. In the scene, Randy's er, clinician shows him his unborn feces via ultrasound. And warns him against traveling by airplane as he is his third trimester. Okay, yeah. mm, excuse me. Um, the episode featured regular voice acting from Parker and Stone for most characters, as well as April Stewart and Mona Marshall for female voices. Staff writer Kyle McCulloch also provided his voice to the episode as Bono himself. All right. More crap satirizes Irish singer, musician, and philanthropist Bono, best known for being the main vocalist of the rock band U2. Bono is portrayed as obsessed with being the best at everything and winning awards and is criticized for not letting others claim success over him. Stan makes remarks about Bono's wealth and knighthood, as well as his highly successful band and his hot wife, Alison Hewson. The episode also shows Bono in Africa at one point and makes reference to his numerous accolades including 22 Grammy Awards and his nominations for an Academy Award, a Golden Globe, and the Nobel Peace Prize. In a joke, Bono is revealed to have first-place trophies in much smaller-scale categories as well, such as most Sports Illustrated subscriptions sold. In the episode, people claim that Bono is both talented and caring, being able to do so much, trying to help so many people, but despite all of this, he seems like such a piece of crap. As the plot progresses, this problem is explained when the comparison between Bono and Feces moves from metaphorical to literal, as he is revealed to be an actual piece of excrement raised by as a human. Near the end of the episode, when Bono is breastfed breastfed by his father, they both refer to the breast milk as Biddy. This is an allusion to the British character-based comedy sketch show Little Britain, in which the character Harvey constantly insists on receiving Biddy from his mother's breast despite being an adult. This episode aired about a month after South Park received a Creative Arts Emmy Award for Outstanding Animated Program that year at the 59th Primetime Emmy Awards for the episode Make Love, Not Warcraft. The show makes fun of having won the award by way of a running gag in this episode. TV Squad. Let's get to the receptions. TV Squad gave the episode a highly positive review, stating that It's low taste, but it's South Park low taste, which makes it funny, and said that the creators are still on a roll, possibly a toilet paper roll. IGN had mixed feelings about the episode, calling it amusing, but not terribly so, and both bizarre and pretty damn funny. They gave it a 7.4 out of 10. Parker and Stone both professed their love of the episode, but said that it is a polarizing one for the audience, claiming that if a viewer is not on board with the episode's toilet humor, then the whole episode breaks down for them. The creators claimed that young people and women reacted poorly to the episode. Parker said that his father, who is the basis for Randy's character, was very thrilled about the episode. The crew of the King of Kong documentary was flattered by the episode's plot being based on the documentary. Director Seth Gordon said that they considered it such a flattering compliment that the writers of South Park would even consider borrowing the structure of King of Kong for one of their episodes. He added that he didn't think the episode was fair to Bono. The film's producer, Ed Cunningham, is a fan of South Park and said that hearing about South Park that they actually spoofed the whole movie just blew him away. The makers eventually got in touch with the studios. A spokesperson for P.F. Chang, Laura Cherry, responded positively to the episode and added that the restaurant chain's name has been used several times in the series. A Comedy Central spokeswoman said that the show's creators love the restaurant's food and have no bad experiences with P.F. Chang's to report. After the episode, a fan-created website for the fictional European Fecal Standards and Measurements Institute appeared on the internet. It is presented as the official website of the Institute, with distinct pages describing its work and organization structure. In accord with the episode, the site names Randy Marsh as the current record holder, but it also claims that the record's previous holder was president of the European Council Herman Van Rompuy, who is still considered one of the most prolific, fecal producers. Van Rompuy was not referenced in the episode. You know what? I want to look this up. I want. I want to see if this site is still up. Uh, there we go. Uh, let's see. Oh, it has a Twitter account. Um. <laughs> uh, yeah. The Twitter uh, was created in October two two thousand twelve. Has three hundred eighty five followers. <laughs> Um, the last tweet was from December 27th, 2014, so no one has been using, uh, that Twitter account since then. It actually also has a Facebook page, uh, where it has been updated a lot more recently. Their last post was October 27th, 2020, with the headline... Unlucky Lizard takes the record for largest poop-to-body ratio. <laughs> okay. Wow, this is quite entertaining. I am getting more than my money's worth here. So it looks like the website does not exist anymore, but if you do want to follow the European Fecal Standards and Measurements, Facebook, and to a lesser extent, you or, uh, Twitter is the way to go. Okay, Uh, let's get to... I I can't believe there's a Twitter and Facebook of that. That's pretty funny. Okay, let's get to IMDB, see what they thought of this episode. Over 2,300 people rated this episode. The average rating is an 8.1 out of 10. So to break it down, 553 people gave it a 10. 431 people gave it a 9. 617 people gave it an 8. That's going to be the grade that I give it this week. And 82 people really thought it was a piece of crap. They gave it a 1. In demographics, males are way far ahead than the females. Average rating for a male is an 8.1. Highest demographic is the 18 to 29 range at an 8.3. A female's average rating is a 7.1, with its highest demographic being also 18 to 29 at an even 8 so I'm gonna go with the females on this one I'm gonna give this an 8 as well okay well we have some reviews and we always give the people that write these reviews credit so let's get to this review the these reviews and we're gonna start with one that took or that was written a few days after this episode aired. It is from postal underscore dude underscore paradise underscore AZ who wrote, I've heard they teach TV writing using The Sopranos and Friends. Well, they have to rethink that and use only South Park to teach how to write. Well, how to write, period. A guy is proud because he thinks he took the biggest crap ever. With that premise, it's really hard to write something funny because it's a joke already. And if you don't measure the jokes on that joke properly, you could end up with a kind of Rob Schneider script—the absolutely not funny, crappy script. This guy's pull it. This guy pulls it off because they know very well how not to do, overdo the jokes. They master that equilibrium. I give it a 9 just because Bono is part of the thing, and even if you are a South Park writer, you just can't make anything good at all out of him. Alright. Uh, this next review is really short, and it is the most recent review from a booty, a booty FC who wrote, I feel bad for Bono because this episode made him hated for no absolute reason. <laughs> okay. Thank you very much. Uh, let's go to Gangsta Hippie. He usually has good reviews. Gangsta Hippie wrote, More crap was an alright episode, but nothing special. I didn't like it all that much, even though it had some great scenes. There are no bad episodes of South Park. Well, that's kind of debatable. Just episodes that were not as good. This is one of them. This episode has Stan's dad, Randy, taking the biggest crap ever, and all his friends are amazed at it. But Stan's mother does not know what the big deal is. His crap is so big, it beats the original record holder, who you choose, Bono. So Bono now beats him again, and due to masculinity, Stan's dad must beat Bono again. There is a twist ending, however, which I will not spoil here. The episode had some funny parts, but it was overall a mediocre episode. Okay. Uh this review is from jwp-57218 who wrote this like many other episodes are half and half. The reason is because this is either you you are on the train with this or you're not and if you're not on with it, it's going to really tick you off. But this is why this is so good. More crap is wa- is on that shouldn't be missed. All right, two more reviews. Go to Rain Dog Jr. Haven't read a Rain Jr. review in a while. Uh, he wrote After the magnificent and completely hilarious Le Petit Tourette, Trey and Matt went to do more crap, and more crap came. This is another hilarious episode. Definitely a personal favorite. This is a Randy episode. We don't see at all the boys, with the exception of Stan. Actually, that's a very good point. This is one of the few episodes that. Cartman, Kyle, and Kenny are not in this episode. Very, very rare. Uh, okay, so to continue on, uh, who's who certainly is with his father when he tries to be again the man with the record of the biggest crap ever taken. Here all begins for casualty. Randy was constipated, so he took a laxative, and certainly he never thought he that he was going to take the world's biggest crap. Mm, excuse me. People from the European Fecal Standards and Measurements Institute were in South Park. Randy was officially the new champion, was all happiness. Randy was the first place at something for the first time in his life. But all went down thanks to Bono. The holder of the old record took a new crap bigger than Randy's. Bono again the first place. But why if he is able to do so much to help so many people... Bono still seemed like such a piece of shit. Simply because, Bono is shit. He is a number two. He was not the record holder, he was the record. Completely hilarious. The women don't understand why is important the size of a crap. Sharon is even sort of surprised that Bono was the one who took her husband's first place. According to Trey and Matt, a lot of people hated this episode. The women hated it, the kids hated it. For me, this is great and hilarious stuff. The stuff with the Emmy Award is great. For Trey and Matt, this episode was the perfect one to say, do we really deserve Emmys? Basically, making a lot of crap, you win an Emmy. And it's funny because in a DVD commentary, both Trey and Matt are like, probably we will never win another Emmy, but was worth the joke. Jokes are more important than Emmys. They were recording the commentary in April 2008, and as you know, well, I'm going to save that one for in a few weeks. Our uh, last review is from S Lions Cricket Reviews who wrote, "While I did not quite love more crap, it seems to be a statement as to what can make South Park so brilliant. This is arguably one of the show's most immature and toilet humor oriented episodes, yet and it is both a statement to the show that South Park is as well as a complete rejection of being honored by the Academy when they won an Emmy for the now legendary episode, Make Love, Not Warcraft. If it, is if, it is as if Matt and Trey devised the episode around their winning an Emmy and wanted to mock that victory in much the same way they mock everything in the show. And it's rather brilliant and fair. More Crap is a Randy episode, which is almost always a great thing, and this is one of his most absurd outings yet. Another good thing. After an intense three-week bout of constipation, Randy takes a crap so huge that he feels proud. Soon afterwards, he shows all his friends, and they agree that it might be the biggest ever and a potential record holder, while current record holder Bono will stop at nothing to make sure he does not lose the title. The episode is so South Park. Where it is short on commentary, which is really almost no commentary, it excels in absurdity and the show's characters and world building are so strong that episodes like this can exist and feel substantial enough and work well enough at this point. Some of the episode's funniest moments for me revolved around the dynamic of Randy and Sharon here, which was hilarious. The direction that Matt and Trey take Bono and the twist to this uh, side story is rather clever wordplay and leads to some amusing stuff, though it is always Randy that holds the episode strong. When he is encouraged by his friends to attempt to replicate the glory of his last significant bowel movement, the way Matt and Trey draw parallels purely through wordplay between Randy anticipating another record breaking bowel movement and the birth of a child is hilarious. There's plenty of odd, quirky, but entirely South Park-esque humor that make this feel like a classic episode. More crap is absurd, immature, and stupid, and boy is it rather wonderful. Randy is always a delight, and this is a fairly strong Randy entry, if for the levels of stupidity that the episode reaches. It is immensely entertaining, is a hilarious South Park F you anyways to the Academy, and has a great sense of fun. While I get the sense that the show is slowly on its inevitable decline, all good things do come to an end, sort of, here is an episode that once again makes me rethink that. Well, differing uh, opinions on this episode, but I think it's safe to say that this episode is not crap, or at least I don't think it is. Alright, that's going to wrap it up for the show. You can follow the show on Twitter at SharksPond97, and you can join the show's Facebook group at Sharks Pond, a South Park podcast. You type that in the search bar on Facebook, and you are right there. If you can't find it, it's okay. I post the link in the description of each and every episode. Okay, well, I've now reached the point in Season 11... That I think a lot of people have waited to get to. Or at least waited for me to get to. Because next time I begin the three-part episode, Imagination Land. And I do begin with part one. Because why would I start at part two? It really doesn't make any sense. There may or may not be a guest on the next episode. I'm not going to guarantee anything. But if there is, you will hear that person's voice with me on the next episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. And thanks for listening to another episode of Shark's Pond, a South Park podcast. Hello! Hello!